You know, this morning, uh, I'm going to share a little bit different than normal. Service is going to be a little different. Uh, as I was praying last night, you know, typically on, you know, I always pray about my messages and work on them and do that uh, stuff. But uh, typically on Saturday nights, I always just take some time uh, and just spend some time with the Lord. Uh, praying over the service, praying over you, uh, praying over the message. And, uh, you know, and sometimes the Lord will tweak things in the message. Sometimes he, you know, will begin to speak some different things and uh, stir some different things up. But uh, this morning's going to be different, I'll just tell you. Uh, I, I would say this is probably the first time that I can remember that the Lord's ever had me uh, minister something along this line. And uh, as far as it leave it, even in this direction and how he showed me. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to have the... Uh, musicians, actually, they're just going to stay up here this morning. And uh, But I want to share some things with you uh, before uh, I really get into some stuff. You know, uh, this series that we're on is called Seek. And really, it's about seeking the Lord in this first part of the year. And asking the Lord, uh, what would you do if we would just focus on you? Look, we're not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to cause God to do anything. But the Bible does say in Hebrews eleven six that God is the rewarder of those who would diligently seek Him. In other words, when we focus on God, God pays attention to us. Not that He doesn't always pay attention to us, but there is something to be had when we say, God, You are more important to me than anything else. You know, and part of what I believe, um, as I was praying about this, I even had Derek come upstairs. I'd been upstairs for about an hour. I've got my office upstairs in our house. And uh, I, I said, hey, can you come up here? I need to ask you something. I, and I just asked her. I said, hey, do you sense anything different uh, about tomorrow morning service? And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I don't, I just answer the question. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I know I'm excited about it. You know, this and that. She goes, but I don't necessarily sense anything. And she was like, why? And I said, well, the Lord's just kind of what I thought was sabotaging my message for this morning. And he was really just taking it in another direction. And, you know, um, because I've always said, and, I, and I, I've always done for that matter, is that if I have something in mind to preach and the Lord says, hey, this is what I want you to share, then that's what I do. I don't just say, Lord, you can wait and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, uh, you know, and so when the Lord began to stir some things in me uh, last night, uh, just even as he began to speak to me, and there's two specific things uh, that I believe are prophetic for this year. Now, I don't throw that word around lightly. Uh, most of you know me well enough that I don't throw that stuff around and I wouldn't say that if I didn't really believe it. Um, you know, I, I believe that the gifts of God are important, but I believe they're also to be reverenced. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there's different types of, of prophecy that we see throughout Scripture. And, uh, you know, um, and one of them, really the one that the Bible talks about that we as all believers could do, which is to, it's called the simple gift of prophecy, which is simply, hey, it's, it's for encouragement, it's for edification, it's for lifting up. And it's just, hey, the Lord prompted maybe a verse in me and I felt like I was supposed to tell you that verse. Well, that's prophecy. It may just be an encouraging word that, hey, the Lord, now, obviously we're not talking about natural things like, hey, I know that they're having a hard time and this and that. That's not what I'm necessarily talking about. But there also is another type of uh, prophetic ministry that we see throughout the scripture and it's this is that and i'm gonna give you an example in my own life uh, to help kind of help you understand before i even get into what i believe the lord wants me to share with you this morning Uh, there's a prop uh, there's a prophetic gifting that comes in operation and it's for this It, it it actually tells you about the future and what can come and one of the things and one of the purposes of this type of prophecy is to cause your faith to be stirred to believe god for it to come because it takes faith for God to work for us. 
I mean, you know, we're praying and we're seeking God right now. And I believe even what the Lord has stirred in my heart for this morning is a result of this first week of us setting this time aside as a church. I mean, I firmly believe that. And so I don't throw these words around lightly. And I want you to know that even before I get into it. Because, you know, can you miss it? Well, sure, I'm a human being just like you. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. What I am saying is, I believe this is what the Lord is saying prophetically to us as a church. And for some of you individually. And this is what you do with it. You go to the Lord. And you say, Lord, does that apply to me? And that's all I'm asking you to do. And so I want to share some things, but let me give you an example of this in my own life of how this worked. Uh, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 19 or 20 years old, maybe 21 or so. And uh, I'd had some friends, I've shared this with our church, I believe before, uh, that were just, they were good friends of mine, but I had grown up with them. They were some of my best friends in high school. I was out of high school, I was in college. And, uh, you know, I was just in a church service, minding my own business. And, I, you know, and all of a sudden the minister who was uh, ministering, he... Uh, has a prophetic gifting in his life. And he called me out, just pointed at me, said, young man. I was kind of like, oh, no. You know, and I was like, oh, Lord, what have I done? You know, and I'm trying to think and got a little nervous. And, and he said, just stand up where you're at. And I said, okay. So I stood up and he said, the Lord wants to tell you something. And he, and he began to tell me, he said, hey, tell the, I mean, I can tell you word for word. That's how, I mean, this was nearly, you know, 18, 20 years ago. But I can quote it word for word today. Tell these friends to go down another road while you have a fighting chance to do what God has called you to do. Now, the Lord had been speaking to me for nine months about that. I knew that my friends were holding me back from what God was calling me to. But these were my best friends. These were guys that I genuinely cared about. And I'm a very loyal person. I don't quit on people. I don't walk away from you. And it took a word from God for me to actually make that step. You know, but it, it gave me the confidence that, hey, I'm not just in myself feeling this way and um, you know and it did something in me and and I believe that it gave me the faith to make that step that I needed to make to move forward in my life that ultimately that if I wouldn't have done I wouldn't be here today I don't believe that and uh, you know so I want to share some things with you uh, uh, this morning but before we do I I really want to there's there's kind of a main point and then there's two sub points if you will Uh, and and so I want to share some things with you if you have your Bibles with me Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. We're going to read a couple of scriptures here together. 1 Chronicles chapter 14. Now this is an account of uh, David conquering the Philistines. And it says here, and when I, you know, I made the joke a minute ago that I felt like the Lord was sabotaging my message. And you know, the Lord always knows what He's doing. And, and He began to stir these verses in my heart. Uh, you know, and really... Uh, what it means, but I want to read it in context to kind of give you a full picture because I think there's some things here that we can also pull from. Starting in verse 8, it says, uh, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, it says they mobilized all of their forces to capture him, but David was told that they were coming, so he marched out to meet them. It says the Philistines arrived and made a raid in the valley of Rephraim. So David uh, asked God, other translations say this, is that so David inquired of the Lord. David prayed. David prayed in this moment. Because why? He has an enemy who is now coming against him. Now David's a warrior. We know this. He's already killed Goliath. He's familiar with battle. Nothing's unusual here. And David didn't lose. Like he was a conqueror. I mean, he, 
he was a warrior. I mean, he, you know, only really one or two times do we even see him experience defeat. And I think it's interesting that it says here in verse 10 that David asked the Lord, he inquired, he prayed to the Lord and said, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? See, David had an understanding here, number one, that he wasn't the great and mighty warrior that everybody thought he was. What he did know was the God that he served who caused his victories to be possible. And so even though this army is coming at him, he asks the Lord and says, will you, in a sense, he's saying, will you be with me? Will you help me? Will you help me in this battle that I'm facing? The Lord replies and says, yes, go ahead. I will hand them over to you. Goes on in verse 11 and says, so David and his troops went up to bow. Uh, sorry, it's, I'm going to try to pronounce this properly. I'm going to give it my best shot. It's Baal Perazim, which literally means the Lord of the breakthrough. That's actually what that name means. And it says, so David and his troops went up and they defeated the Philistines there. God did it, David exclaimed. He used me to burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So now this place, uh, that now they, so they named the place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. Now, there are some things here that I believe even for um, us as a church, but also in your life, that this applies to, uh, you know, biblically speaking from Scripture, we would say this is, He is the Lord God who is the breakthrough or the Lord God of the breakthrough. In other words, He's the, you know, and and actually as I was studying out even that name, you know, I I have a friend of mine who's on SWAT in a certain city. And uh, his job is a breacher. Now, what does that mean? He's the guy that holds the big ram, walks up to the door and wham, right? That's actually part of the meaning of this word. It means a breakthrough, not just subtly, but a breakthrough by force. That's actually my friend's role. That's what they call him, the breacher. He's not the first one in the door, but he's the one who opens the door, right? I mean, if you've ever seen it, they slam the door open and then they get out the way and the guys with guns run by them. That's the way it works with SWAT. And that's actually part of the meaning of this here. And I I believe, uh, you know, as I was praying and asking the Lord about this, and I think it's interesting because before the breakthrough, David did something that I believe that we need to pay attention to. It says that he sought the Lord. He inquired of the Lord before the breakthrough would come, even though the battle he knew was not his. He knew the battle was not his because why? He said, Lord, if you're not going to hand them to me, I'm not going to go fight them. You're going to give me a plan. I'm going to go somewhere else. Why? Because he knew the battle wasn't his. But the Lord was still involved. And David initiated something here because he sought the Lord first. And ultimately what happened was he was, he was given a victory... That day. Why? Because the Lord had broken through something. You know, and part of what the Holy Spirit will do and part of the work of God is that that's exactly the work of of what He does in our lives. That the enemy comes in and and, uh, over in Isaiah it gives us a scripture and it says when the enemy comes in and the way that it's written is when the enemy comes in like a flood properly there's supposed to be a comma after the enemy so when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit will raise up a standard against him is actually the way it was supposed to be written 
properly translated, that's the way it goes. We think, oh, like the enemy's coming in like crazy and, oh, the, the Lord's going to show up. No, that's, that's not at all what it is. It's saying that when the enemy comes, that God's coming even stronger back in his direction. You know, and I believe that even as I was praying last night, and really I was just praying in kind of my normal flow, my normal, whatever you want to call it, my normal habit, my normal preparation. And I was just spending time with the Lord. And honestly, I just began to pray about some of you specifically. And then I just began to pray about some different things. And then it just kind of kept going. And I, and I began to declare some of these things. And it, and it was not just prayer. But, you know, there, there's, um, there's different types of prayer. You know, and it doesn't mean that you've got to hoop and holler and be crazy and do all these kinds of things. But there are times that you will step into a place of prayer where it becomes authoritative as well. And that's very different because I'm not trying to beg God to do anything. I'm just standing in what Jesus has already provided. And I'm simply saying, I know who Jesus is and I know what he said he would do. And therefore, devil, my God's the God of the breakthrough. That's the God that I serve. You know, and I believe there's two specific areas. Uh, You know, uh, let me say this and then we'll kind of get into the two areas. You know, I believe even for us as a church, I believe that, um, you know, yes, this is for us corporately, but I believe it's more for us individually. I believe there's elements of both sides in what I'm going to be sharing about this morning. Uh, And really even more so, this first part is really more about the church. Um, And then these next couple things are specific things. But, you know, there may be battles that you're going to face this year, but you have to realize that you're not standing alone. David knew that when he went to battle that he was not by himself. That the Lord was with him and he asked the Lord, hey, are you going to go with me? I found somebody and they, that was talking about that particular scripture and I love how they said it. They said, the, the God that you serve is the master of the breach. The master of the breach. I mean, you think about it in life when we say, oh, somebody's a master plumber. That means they really know their stuff. They're not like an apprentice. They're not kind of like dabbling in plumbing. They really know it. Like they're very experienced in it. And I think it would do us well to remember that the God that we serve is the master of the breach. That the battle truly is not ours, but it's his. And when we seek God first in the matter, you can be assured of the victory. Here's another way to say this, is that when you'll seek God first, through prayer, whether it's just uh, you know putting him first place in your life, first, first priority in your life, we can be assured that, hey, that God is working for me. Why? Because I've put him first. You know, and there's some things along this line that, you know, and there may be more areas than, that apply to you that what I'm going to share in the next few minutes with you may apply to another area of your life. But I know there were two specific areas. Uh, and, and these are more for personal hearts, personal lives. Um, you know, and, and um, so I'm just going to ask you to kind of be open to it. But let me read you one verse before we get into those. It comes out of Isaiah 59. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Isaiah 59, 19. It says, So as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. It says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream with the breath of the, that the Lord drives. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit comes, He's not just coming, but it's actually the power of God coming. 
when the enemy comes in, that man, we have the greater one on the inside of us. First John says that, that greater is he on the inside of me, on the inside of you, than he that's in the world. So the, the enemy, all the powers of darkness are not greater than the power on the inside of you. And you have to know that. There's got to be faith in your heart that that's true. That it doesn't matter what I may face or what um, may be on my plate right now or what may even be overwhelming my mind is that I serve a God who wants better for me. Who wants more for me. Jesus paid the price for what? For everything. For the fullness of what God has for us. And so I want to share just a few minutes on this first one. And this really has to do with uh, finances. And, uh, you know, and like I said, this is going to be a little different. And, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, but that's okay. I'm totally fine with that. And, um, you know, because why? I believe that if you'll receive this for what I believe that it really is, is the word of the Lord, I believe it will produce tremendous power in your life. I also believe that it will create an opportunity for God to do more, even in this year. That this could be a year that you would look back and be like, remember when God did... Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Remember when God moved and all of a sudden everything changed? And I believe part of what we're doing is we're taking this time at the first of the year to seek the Lord is we're simply setting the stage. We're just making preparations. We're doing our part. Our part is not to make things happen. Our part is to pray and to trust in the Lord. And so I want to share just a few things with you uh, that really began to stir up in me. Uh, about this, and um, you know, these I'm, I'm specifically going to be talking about strongholds of the enemy. Uh, you know, because there are natural things that we need to do, and, and I'm, you know, I believe that I share many times about this uh, that we have to do our part. That God's not just God is not just going to show up on the scene and fix everything for us if we keep being stupid. I know that's pretty blunt, but you know, I, I mean, if I keep making bad choices, bad choices, bad choices. Where's God, you know, where's God showing up for me? But I also know that the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And sometimes there are things in our life that we face that are more than natural. That there are spirits at work behind them. Now I'm not trying to scare you because here's the good news. God wins. He's more powerful. So we don't have to be afraid of the work of the enemy. But what we do have to do is ask and seek the Lord. You know, I mean, I've shared this many times before I even get into this, just so that, because I want to make sure that we're clear. When the Lord spoke to me about getting out of debt many years ago, which just so you know, I'm not there any longer. So we're back in the process of getting some things paid off that we need to. You go move a couple times in a couple years and you'll find yourself with some debt too. And, um, you know, and so anyhow, that's another story. But I just want to be clear. The Lord told me to get out of debt, but he sent me resources, natural things that I could do. And when I did the natural things, God added something to it and did it supernaturally. But I still had to do my part. His breakthrough didn't come because I just sat back and said, Lord, do what you want to do. No, I was an active participant. I said, God, I'm going to do my part and I know you'll do your part. And when that happened, and you know, I like to say it this way, is that when I got a budget, God said, okay, now I can bless that. Right? Like just practically speaking. Like I didn't have a plan, so what was there for God to bless? But when I said, okay, I'm going to start paying attention. I'm going to stop wasting money. I'm going to start blowing things. And I'm going to start paying attention to those things. All of a sudden, God said, I'll bless that. You know, and so anyhow. So let me just share with you a couple things about this. Uh, I believe that, uh, and this doesn't apply to everybody, but I believe that it does apply to some is this, is that, um, is that God wants to be a financial breakthrough 
for you this year. I believe that there are some things that in your life and in your family. And you know, I know there's been times in my life where I'm doing everything I know to do and yet nothing seems to work. It just seems like every time I'm like, okay, we're going, we're going to get ahead and we're going to get this paid off. We're going to get that paid off. And then certain things happen and then it just seems like there's just no traction. I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm in a rut. And the thing that I've learned is that sometimes that's the enemy at work. Now, I have good news for you, and I'll share that with you here in just a moment of how you stop that from happening. But I do believe that the Lord wants to uh, break some strongholds because it's spiritual. It's not just natural. And, it, and maybe even in your mind, you have been trying to do this naturally. Well, I can just do this, and I can do that, and I can... It's not natural. It, it's not a natural thing. Now, you've got to do your part. It's not just sit back and be a spectator and say, God's going to wow me with the fireworks. If that's your attitude, they're not coming. Just being honest with you. But that doesn't change the fact that when we do our part, that we can now have confidence and we can stand upon exactly what David said. Lord, if you're with me, this battle will go the way that that I believe it should. You know, and so specifically, here's a couple things that the Lord spoke to me. Was that there would be unexpected increase in blessing. Unexpected increase in blessing in your life. Now it's not going to automatically come. And I'm going to show you how to initiate that here in a few minutes. Here's the other thing. And I thought this one was pretty cool. Is that limitation would be replaced by liberty and generosity. Limitation would be replaced. By liberty and generosity. See I believe that there are some of you. And this will resonate. Is that God I want to do more. I, you know, I hear pastor talk about being a part and giving into the kingdom. And man, I want to do more, but I just can't. I don't have it to give, but I want to. That's, that's important right there. But I just want you to know, and look, I'm not, I mean, I believe this is prophetic for you. Can be. But here's the key. You've got to receive this too. This isn't just me talking and me saying things. Look, I don't do this kind of stuff normally. If I just felt like, oh, it's Lord. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. But I fully believe this is the Lord. And this may be a word for you. Is that your limitation would be replaced by liberty and generosity. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to back this up. This is a familiar passage of scripture. But we use it a lot when it comes to giving money. But it really has to do with forgiveness. But it comes out of Luke 6.38. And it says, give and you will receive. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And he says the amount that you give will uh, determine the amount that you get or that you get back. Now, even financially, what I'm talking about here, because it's important, because it doesn't say that, hey, wait and you will receive. It says give. If you believe God will increase you, then you're going to have to initiate that through your giving. I'm not trying to manipulate you. You don't have to give a dime to me. You don't have to give it to the church. I don't care. And I don't mean that. I mean that sincerely. I'm not trying to be ugly or rude. But I just know how, as a pastor, sometimes I've still got to be able to speak the word even if it's uncomfortable to you. And that doesn't make me greedy, by the way. Because my paycheck doesn't change. Quite honestly. I don't get a percentage of the offering. I I would never do that, by the way. I have a salary that's set by people. Not me. And so, you know, but I also know that, hey, there's principles at work. And if I want to receive, I've got to initiate by giving. Not only that, but it says that they would come back to me in abundance. 
Now also over here in Malachi chapter 3, now we use this one as well for giving. We're talking about finances, by the way. So if I'm going to talk about money, I've got to talk about money scriptures, right? Right? And that's what... Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be enough food in my temple. It says, If you do, says the Lord. Another translation says it this way. If you do your part, says the Lord, then this is what I'll do. I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, Try me and put me to the test. Now, we read this verse when we received the offering earlier, but... It says, don't be misled. You cannot sow that you will not reap. Now, what happens sometimes is that we reap and we consume it. And we don't ever get to see it as a blessing. Why? Because, you know, we already bought something with that increase that God wanted to bring. And now we've got to pay the credit card off because we're like, well, we never got to experience the increase. Well, you did. You just had to experience it early. And so the increase came, but it never looked like increase because you saw a bill. Look, I'm guilty of that. That's why I can say that. I'm like, man, Lord's blessing me, but golly. <laughs> Why? Because I got out ahead of God and said I wanted something, right? It goes on here in the same passage, and, 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 you know, and it says, God also says that He would rebuke the devourer. In other words, He would actually, and that's what I'm talking about there with those so spiritual elements that are transpiring, taking place. That, hey, God would actually watch over your money. He would watch over your stuff. You know, and you're like, well, that seems like I'm buying something from God. No, I'm honoring God by honoring His Word. I'm not trying to manipulate God. I'm not trying to encourage you to do that. You can try to manipulate God, but it doesn't work because He already knows the motive of your heart before you even thought or said anything. So you can't exactly manipulate somebody who already knows your first thought before you even had it. So to manipulate means to fool, right? You can't fool God. It's just not going to happen. But yet, I do believe that exactly what it says is that sometimes there are spirits. You know, the Bible actually says there's a spirit on money. It's called mammon. Jesus said, hey, you can't serve God and mammon. Familiar with those verses? You'll either love one and hate the other. You'll serve one and hate, the, you know, and not the other. And so that's true. You know, and so if we're going to experience all that God has for us, then we've got to live according to Scripture. It's not optional. But I do also know, and I have experienced multiple times, where the blessings of God have come into my life. Where, and not just always in money. Sometimes it's in favor. Sometimes it's in opportunities that come. Uh, you know, and sometimes it, it, there's all kinds of different ways that it can come. But you may be here this morning and you say, man, I, I'm in a place where I, I've really sensed that I've done everything I know to do about my finances. But uh, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm just at a kind of... I'm done. I, I don't know what else to do. And so what I, what I have in my heart to do, and I know this is going to take some guts and a little bit of faith, and we're going to get back into another something here in a minute, but this is the way the Lord told me to do it, is I feel like I need to pray for you. And so I know this is going to be a little different, but uh, we're going to, uh, they're going to begin to play, and I, I feel not just praying for you, but actually laying hands upon you. Because something happens when we lay hands upon people. The Bible talks about a transference of the anointing that happens when we lay hands. And you're like, well, that's weird to me. And I don't understand that. I don't fully understand it, but I do know it works. That's all I can tell you. Um, You know, but part of it is it's it's an act of faith on your part to step out and say, Lord, you know, I need you to break through for me. And just as you just as it says there about David, it says that you would be the Lord of my breakthrough. Now, 
this is my encouragement to you before I even pray for you. God can break through right now, but if you don't do what He tells you to do on the backside, it's not coming. Why? Because you've got to walk out wisdom. It's not just as simple as God breaking through and, oh, well, yay. I mean, yeah, and I do believe that it can be broken right now. I believe we serve an active God who wants to work in our lives and for us. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come down here and let me pray for you. If you, if you feel like the Lord's stirring in you, that, man, there, that there's more than just natural things happening in my life, that there's actually a spirit at work against me financially, that I want to ask the Lord to be the Lord of my breakthrough this year. And even in this time, because this is what I'll tell you and, and what I'll encourage you with is that God will do what He said in His Word He will do. But you've got to do your part. Okay? I have one more thing for you that I just prayed for. I forgot. I didn't look at my notes enough. And I shared this last week, but it comes out of James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Um, and it's something that the Lord really stirred up in me about this year for us as a church and even for me in my own life. And it, it, it's not anything crazy, but it, it is a principle. Is that the Bible says you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And sometimes, even though we may be doing all the right things, we may be you know doing all the things we know to do naturally. You know, the Bible says in, in Isaiah, it says to put the Lord in remembrance of His Word. It's not because He's forgetful. That's not it at all. But it is about us in that place of prayer and seeking the Lord and saying, God, I, I'm a sower. And so because you said in your word, if I would do my part, you would do your part. And this is what, so I've done my part. I, I, I've given and I've sown and I've committed to it. I mean, giving is not a moment. It's a lifestyle. And there's a big difference. I want to be a generous person. I don't want to be stingy. I want to be generous. You know, and that's part of how we break that. You know, I mentioned this earlier. Is part of how you deal with the spirit that comes with money, which ultimately is it's never satisfied. And greed is kind of a, a minimal description of it. It's a longing for more, 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 more. I, I got to have, got to get, got to get, got to get, got to get. You know, and I'll just give you that. If you can't give something away, there's a spirit at work there. And I don't mean like, well, I'm not a hoarder. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, if the Lord instructs you and says, hey, give this away or give this to that person, you're like, I can't do that. There's a, there's a stronghold in your life. And if you'll give it, now this may be prophetic too, I don't know. If you'll give it, it'll break down. You'll just sow it. Get rid of it. Why? Because it's more than natural. This is a spiritual thing. And begin to declare God's word over your life. Okay, so here's the second one. This one here is going to have to be brief. Or more brief. I didn't realize so many people were going to come up for the first one. I thought nobody would come up for that one. Or very few. See, I'm just telling you. I don't know what's going on all the time. I just have to trust the Lord like you do. Now, you may not always think that. but Now this one here was one that really kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And, uh, and the way that the Lord um, brought it up to me. and I, what Actually, I was just praying. Um, just again my normal I kind of got past the finances and those types of things and then I just was praying seeking the Lord and, uh, and then all of a sudden I found myself actually kind of uh, uh, there's no other way to say it just taking authority over a spirit 
you know, and, you know, I, I, people have all kinds of ideas and thoughts on that, uh, you know, but biblically it's true. Now, there's error if you go too far with it, because ultimately Jesus, the Bible says, has been given all power and all authority. So if you understand that, the devil can only do what the church allows him to do. I mean, if you're getting biblical about it and truly what the Bible says, we've been given authority. Jesus left and said, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you the authority of my name. And, and so what the, and it's a specific spirit. And the Bible talks about it over in Isaiah 61, but it's actually the spirit of heaviness. It's an oppressive spirit sent by the enemy. It's, it's like a heaviness and a weight. Now, this isn't like I had a bad day, and this isn't even depression. Now, some of you know my testimony. I know depression well. The Lord freed me of depression. But even being free of depression, I've also experienced oppression, which is where the enemy comes in. The best way that I know to explain it, it's just like putting something in a vice and squeezing. That's oppression. And just as I was sharing a few minutes ago about the Lord of the breakthrough, I believe that... that that the Lord wants you to know that that may be a season in your life but the Lord wants you to know that it can end now it doesn't have to end next year it doesn't have to end in five years it's not one day when you get to heaven the Lord is the Lord of the breakthrough now and even in this you know and the Bible says that the anointing always comes to destroy the work of the enemy always in Isaiah 61 it says this Now, I always quote this verse. This is actually one of our verses that I believe for us as a church. It comes out of Luke 4. But it's actually referencing an Old Testament scripture from Isaiah. So here in Isaiah 61 verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. You know, sometimes heaviness comes because we're brokenhearted. Something happens that we just can't get past says to proclaim uh, that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Verse 2, it says, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against His enemies. In verse 3, it says, To all those who mourn in Israel, He will give you the crown of beauty for ashes and a joyous blessing instead of mourning. This translation says festive praise instead of despair, but the New King James says it this way. He says that He would give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. He says He will give them a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I love this part. Because remember, He's talking about people who are oppressed by the enemy. Those who are weighed down by the enemy. He says, I will give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's an exchange. I'm giving up this oppression and I'm getting joyfulness. It goes on and it says, that they may be called the trees of righteousness. And the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So if we're believers, if we're Christians here this morning, this is God's desire for you. That you would be called a tree of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that He might be glorified. Why does God come? Why does the anointing come? Because ultimately it glorifies God. It glorifies God. Because when our lives are, are, are set free to be who God's called us to be, it brings Him glory. 
You know, every time that I tell my testimony about being depressed and the Lord setting me free, it brings Him glory. Why? Because I didn't do anything. I was sitting on my rear end. Nobody looked at me. Nobody was talking to me. Nothing happened. And instantly, that broke in my life. In a moment, I did nothing. And every time that I get to tell that part of my life, God was faithful. Even when I wasn't looking for Him, He came for me. I wasn't even walking for the Lord. I wasn't even trying to live for God. Didn't even care. And yet He did. That's exactly what He did in my life. A couple verses. uh, Pray for a few of you here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is, is a spirit, or the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there's liberty or freedom. There's no restraint. There's no limitation. Now the enemy comes to oppress. Why? Because when you're oppressed, you can't see what God has for you. It limits your ability to see through the eye of the spirit with faith to say, I believe that God is going to do greater things for me. And it limits uh, even your ability to believe for yourself, much less anybody else. Here's one of the interesting things to me about being oppressed. You can pray for other people sometimes, but you can't believe it for yourself. But you can believe it for them. You can pray for them with all of your heart, meaning it with all of your heart. And you can believe, man, God's going to work for them. But yet, there's something in you that just says, I don't know if He'll do that for me, though. I mean, how cruel of the enemy. But that's who He is. That's how He works. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. I have a new Amplified Bible. They redid it last year. So now I have two. I don't know why they changed them, but I like this the way it says it. James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit to the authority of God. Now that's important. Submit to the authority of God. In other words, give way. You're going to yield to the Lord. And then it says, resist the devil. Here's the problem sometimes. is people want to say, devil, leave me alone. Devil, leave me alone. Devil, leave me alone. You've got to do the other part first. It's like you've got to give to receive. You've got to submit to have some authority. I don't get to tell the devil what to do because I'm David. I don't get to tell the devil what to do because I'm a pastor. No, I get to tell the devil what to do because I'm a child of God that Jesus has bought and paid for. And now I get to walk in his authority. And I can say in the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. Because all power and all authority has been given to him. And that can be in my life. That can be in your life. And you know, But it's important. If you want the devil to actually be afraid of you, you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what's been given to you. And even when it comes to this area of oppression, the enemy is going to come, but you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to submit yourself to God and say, that is not a thought God wants me to think about. That is not a thought that God wants me to concentrate on. The Word says that I am all that I am by the power and the grace of God. And you may have to speak that by faith because you're like, I'm messed up. Here's the good news. God thinks more of you than you do. And I don't care how bad you are and I don't care how good you are. God still thinks more of us than we think of ourselves. We have an identity crisis. He does not when he looks at us. He sees us as healthy, as whole, as prospering, as able to do whatever he's called us to do. But there are some limitations sometimes in our life. 
one that I'm a little probably too familiar with so this one's a little personal for me because I understand it well but it's spiritual it's not just like well I need to you know it's not a mind game I need to think better thoughts and self help And no it's looking to God it's exactly what David did he inquired of the Lord Lord I And it's an acknowledging acknowledging of what? He submitted himself to the Lord and said, Lord, I need you. I need you to help me. Now, this doesn't apply to everybody, I'm sure, just like the first one did. But you may be here this morning. And you say, man, and again, this is more than just a bad day and a bad week. This is something that you cannot shake. Even good days are cloudy days for you. I think that's probably a good way to communicate that. Just having a a carefree, worry-free day. There could be a spirit at work that's weighing you down and pressing on you. It it, it inhibits your ability to enjoy life. You know, God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy your family. He wants you to enjoy existing on this earth. I'm not saying that things never happen, and I'm not saying that it's it's always just perfect. But you ought to have the ability to enjoy life. Jesus came so that we could actually have a quality of life. Even in the midst of storms, even in the midst of trials and all those kinds of things. So if that's you this morning, I know I'm running late, but you can blame the Lord, I suppose. But uh, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to come down here. And uh, let me pray for you. I believe that, that the anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys what God, uh, what, what the enemy wants to do. God comes to deliver. The Bible declares him as being a mighty deliverer. Not a weak, not a timid. He says, no, I'm a mighty deliverer. And that when we would trust in the Lord, that He will do that exactly for us. Father God, I thank You. Father, that You desire to work in our hearts. Desire to work in our lives, Father. That You are an active participant even in our day right now and in our lives in this moment. Father, that You've not left us helpless. You've not left us hopeless, without aid, without support. But Father, I thank You that You've given us the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Christ resides on the inside of us. Father, that we would step into all that you have for us. Father, we thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. One last thought before I let you go. This was something that I felt in my heart uh, as well. But, you know, I know we're kind of in that first week of prayer and fasting, but my encouragement to you is keep praying. Don't give up, just keep pressing. Why? Well, because prayer produces power. I believe that with all of my heart. And, uh, you know, incredible things can happen when we just continue to seek the Lord. And so I want to encourage you. You know, like I said earlier, you may be, uh, you know, participating at a level and you may not have started yet. But just ask the Lord and say, hey, what would you have me to do? I believe this sets the course for our entire year, what we do in January. I believe our church is better because of it.